peace and peace and equality that the world they will see. That's why we won. We're here with Judge Judge Ralph Bailey. I'm sorry about that. How are you doing today, Judge Bailey? I'm doing well. How are you? Great, great, great. Can't complain, can't complain. Um, who is Judge Bailey? Who is Judge Bailey? Uh, well, I'm originally from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, I came to Henry County, McDonough um, in 2004 from the United States Army, uh, where I was stationed at Fort McPherson. Um, stayed on active duty until 2006 and then got off active duty. Um, I came to Henry County because uh, my wife and, and, um, and I wanted to move um, to Henry County because of the great schools, um, the low crime, um, I'm married, have two daughters, and um, I started working at the district attorney's office in Henry County around about 2013, and I loved it and just love working here in, in, in the county, so. Awesome, awesome. So you worked in the Henry County district attorney office before you became a judge actually in Henry County, is that correct? Yes, uh -huh. I worked in the district attorney's office, office from 2013 until th 2017. Um, I also worked in Fulton District Attorney's Office from 2007 to 2010. And um, as I mentioned, what brought me to Henry County was the United States Army. Um, I've been in the United States Army JAG Corps since 2002. I've been in there almost 22 years now. Um, I was on active duty and then got off active duty and started working um, in uh, the community. Awesome, awesome. Reading your bio, we see that you have a great interest in working for the community, serving through the armed forces, the military armed forces. You have an extensive background in military. Tell us how you got started in the military at a younger age and you know what inspired you to go in that direction to serve the country? Sure. Well, my father was a Air Force security police officer uh, prior to um, um, my birth. And so um, I just learned about serving the, the community through him and, and also uh, being in the uh, military. Uh, my father-in-law as well was in the United States Army. He did about 20 years in the United States Army. So I always had an interest in joining um, the military. So after law school, I decided to join the Army JAG Corps. Um, and that was in, back in 2002. And I uh, was stationed at Fort, um, Mc, uh, well, sorry, Fort Hood, Texas. Uh, where I was uh, both a prosecutor and then later became a defense attorney um, there at Fort Hood. Um, then I transferred over to Fort McPherson. I've also served some time at Fort Benning, Georgia as a defense attorney. And currently I'm in the reserves um, where I'm a regional defense attorney uh, stationed out of Alexandria, Virginia. Um, so basically I'm kind of like one of the head um, public defenders, so, so to speak, in the military for the Tennessee Valley. Awesome, awesome. So you still actually practice in your law, in your law practice within the military, <laughs> residing as a judge. So it seems as though your schedule is packed. A family man, mm -hmm. uh, reserve still. I mean, you're, you're clicking like a young fella still. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, that I, I try to balance my, my schedule. So, but yes, um, I'm very busy, very busy. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, how did when it came when it comes down to the military, we, we see that you serve as a as an active lawyer of defense for the military uh, in that protocol. How did that transition in to make you want to go from there 
to preside as a judge, a state court judge? Sure. So um, back when I was um, an assistant district attorney in um, Fulton County from 2007 to 2010, as well as in Henry County from 2013 to 2000, 2017, I was a prosecutor uh, on the civilian side, and ironically, I was a defense attorney in the military um, for the reserves. So I was doing both. So that really helped me in, in uh, becoming a judge because I could see both sides of the table. And so um, just going to court all the time and, and also working on both sides of the table, that's what one of the uh, reasons why I became interested to become a judge. Awesome, awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, you serve as a, uh, accountability court accountability court judge, state court judge here in Henry County serving in veteran affairs, domestic violence, um, uh, I think it was. I do misdemeanors as well, um, civil lawsuits greater than 15,000, and traffic offenses. Uh, and so, with our accountability courts, I'm the co judge for our veterans treatment court, um, where we have veterans that come, um, come in, they have committed some, some crimes, and so, um, and they are also uh, individuals who um, are suffering from some type of um, mental health disorder. Most of them have. Uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and so we um, find them initially when they get arrested and we decide that uh, well we ask them if they want to be in our veterans treatment court and so with that they um, agreed to uh, come into the veterans treatment court which is generally about a 18 to 24 month program where they receive extensive treatment and counseling um, to help them overcome any issues that they have. Okay now being that you were in the law field and you worked on both sides of the fence as a judge. Um, many people don't look at veterans that, you know, typically we, we see two sides of veterans. We see one where where vet people go into the armed forces, they're living a life, living a luxurious life, and then we see veterans who are just struggling when they come back home, struggling from PTSD. How do you guys balance that and what's the value of the veterans court that you guys have implemented working with these veterans when it comes mm -hmm. to like mental health, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. and, and that's ex essentially what the Veterans Treatment Court is all about. Uh, people who have served our country, they've raised their right hand, said they will protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign, domestic. And then they get off of active duty and um, they're suffering from, as I mentioned, PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and they get into a little trouble. Um, and, you know, and so uh, when they get into some trouble, we grab them and with our veterans treatment court, they have to do that counseling and, and um, classes and they meet um, with the judges. Um, judge Pandora Palmer is also um, the other co-judge with our veterans treatment court. But they meet with us twice a month, um, once every other week. And we go over everything that they've learned in their counseling and just to make sure they're abiding by the court orders and abiding by their treatment plans. At ViStar Credit Union, you inspire us to deliver on our promise, to do good for our members and our communities. That's why we offer more banking options, like better rates and no hidden fees. We also give back, donating several million dollars to hundreds of nonprofits each year. Better financial lives, stronger communities. That's our focus. ViStar Credit Union, do good, bank better. 
At Home Depot, we have something called the value wheel. We're taking care of our people and respect for all drives us to do the right thing. Giving back in the entrepreneurial spirit of serving the community, priding ourselves on excellent customer service in an effort to build strong relationships while creating shareholder value. Many veterans who have served our country suffer detrimental health issues while fighting to protect us. And that's why we partner with nonprofit organizations to give gratitude for those who put their life on the line. Gardening is one of the most affordable defenses in maintaining good health. And grazing in the grass gardening instructor Miss Crystal Dickens knows firsthand. We are proud to join her and Grace Baptist Church in an effort to achieve our goal. This is our why, the value wheel. Now, <clears throat> you also work with uh, hand in hand. We talked about the domestic violence. Yes. Cases. A lot of times that's stereotype. Mm -hmm. Like African American community, white community, Caucasian community, Mexican community. It's a lot of times stereotype to where where it happens on the scene. And I can just say in Henry County, from just based off of working with different people that I work with and hearing the stories. On the scene, we're seeing where both people are being locked up behind domestic violence now. You know, it's not just a woman, it's not just a man. How are you responding to fair and impartial treatment when it comes to addressing domestic violence cases and treating that as an intricate matter? Well, um, the domestic violence treatment court, what we have is a pre-adjudication court. So this is before they are, in fact, um, before they go to court and are found guilty or not guilty. Um, so what we do is we try to make sure they're abiding by the bond conditions. So of course some of the bond conditions are they are to stay away from that alleged victim or no, have no contact or no violent contact, things of that nature, stay away from a particular location. So what I'm doing basically is just kind of monitoring them. So, but in regards to your question, as far as the um, men versus the women uh, and making sure that they are treated fairly. Um, you know, everyone that comes into my courtroom, I try to make sure that they are treated fairly, um, regardless of what type of background they come from, who they are, what they look like or whatever. So, um, you know, everyone is treated fairly. And with our domestic violence court, because it is pre-adjudication, I always tell them, hey, look, everyone, um, is innocent until proven guilty and you have not been proven guilty yet here you're just in a domestic violence court so we can monitor your bond conditions um so you know you're innocent until proven guilty right right um a lot of times in, in monitoring those bond conditions or whatever are you determining whether that whether that goes stays on a state court level or fit or felony superior court mm -hmm. level or are you in charge of that or are you just monitoring them to make sure that Right, I'm just monitoring them. As far as the determination, if it's a misdemeanor or a felony, that would be up to either our district attorney, Darius Patillo, or our solicitor general, Pamela Bettis. And so they make the determination of where it's going to go. Um, so um, if Pam Bettis, who is our solicitor, um, has a case that has initially been charged as a misdemeanor and she believes that uh, that the offenses are a little bit more aggravated, then she will refer it over to Darius Patillo in the district attorney's office. Awesome, awesome. When it comes down, how, how does that play a role in the accountability courts? Because like I know working with Judge, uh, Judge Lewis, when she does the DUI court, it's like a class that you have to go through mm -hmm. and a graduation process. Um, 
what 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 are the accountability matters that happens in the court systems that you're over mm -hmm. comes to like what is that process like sure well um, the main thing the um, veterans treatment court is almost similar to our dui court there are classes that you have to take as I mentioned, it's about 18 to 24 months uh, of where you have to attend classes. You start off at level one and you go all the way up to a level five. Level one, you're on curfew, um, you're, you're monitored, you have to submit to your analysis, um, things of that nature. Um, and then you get to a level five where the conditions are, are more relaxed because you've been in the program longer and you have um, basically um, shown that you, you can abide by the, the conditions that are, were set um, for you by the um, judge. And so um, it's, it's similar. And at the end, um, there's a graduation. We just had a graduation about two weeks ago for uh, a veteran. And he was our, actually our first veteran who made it through the, pro, uh, the program without receiving any citations. And so if you receive a citation, you could have to sometimes write a letter um, of an apology. Um, it may consist of more community service. It may consist of uh, extra curfew, and it could include um, uh, jail time or even termination from the program. Awesome, awesome. Now, with accountability court, I, I see as the guard has changed in Henry County, so to say, mm -hmm. and you guys are working together. How important is it now? Because we're not just throwing people in jail. Mm -hmm. And not to say we, we, we're not being harsh and doing our job, but what role or how do you feel about accountability court versus just sentencing, slamming somebody and saying, hey, mm -hmm. it's time served? How does that, you know, improve the community, improve the engagement between law enforcement and community? Mm -hmm. I'm a big proponent of accountability courts. Um, I actually started my career off as a probation and parole officer in Louisville, Kentucky, back in the mid-90s. Um, and uh, we um, had started a, um, a drug court, a drug a treatment court during that time. And so I saw how that drug treatment court really helped individuals. And I know you just can't throw everybody in jail. Um, you know, a, a lot of times people have underlying issues and problems that, that they have and that they need to be treated. And so that's what accountability courts are all about because we just can't, you know, as I mentioned, everybody can't go to jail. Now, of course, if you are doing something really bad or, or really serious or you're a repeat offender, then, you know, there are repercussions. But um, when a person needs some treatment, then that's what accountability courts all about. Awesome, awesome. Now, we also know that accountability courts are 15% mm. of what state court is. <laughs> yes, we get the night side of, of we want to help, but at the same time, you have to serve the bench with being fair and impartial. Absolutely. What does it mean to you to serve and being fair and impartial, making sure that you're casting the right judgments, you know, monitoring our community in the fashion that you see that God has set for you? Well, um, being fair and impartial means, um, as I had mentioned, um, justice is blind. Um, like Lady Justice, you know, the um, statute, um, justice is blind. And so um, she has a, a, a blindfold over her. And that's how I see people when they first walk in. Um, you know, I have to hear the facts and the evidence from the prosecutor and they have to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt to in order to convict someone. Otherwise, a person walks into my courtroom, um, they are innocent until proven guilty. So I believe that they're innocent at, at that initial phase until the the um, prosecutor or the government has, in fact, um, proven their case against them beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, so in order to 
Um, as I mentioned, everyone that walks in is, is treated fairly and impartial. At Eagles Landing Diabetes and Endocrinology, our business is your health. Dr. Ronald S. Watts and his staff are dedicated to the pillars of quality health, such as equity, effectiveness, efficiency, integration, safety, timeliness, and people-centeredness. Eagles Landing Diabetes and Endocrinology specializes in the evaluation and treatment of diabetes and endocrine disorders thyroid, neck and parathyroid gland ultrasound examinations, and vascular examination for peripheral artery disease are just some of the services that Dr. Ronald S. Watts and his staff provide. Looking for treatment? We are currently accepting new patients. Eagles Landing Diabetes and Endocrinology accepts all major insurance. Give us a call at 770-389-9494 or visit us at 550 Eagles Landing Parkway, Suite 110, Stockbridge, Georgia. Eagles Landing Diabetes and Endocrinology. Our business is your health. Visit us at eldiabetes.org. Curtis Butler III was born and raised in Charleston, South Carolina. His family originates from the small nearby town of Aiken. After graduating high school, Curtis joined the Army. He served his nation admirably during combat and decided the time was right to start a civilian life. Somewhere along the way, things failed to turn out as planned. Curtis soon found himself homeless while facing one of the toughest battles of his life. Instead of allowing the situation to dictate his life, Curtis struck out and took control, making him a hero all over again by winning a seven-year fight with the VA administration in obtaining his disability benefits and now helps others in the same situation. Curtis is now an advocate for veterans. He has written two books. His second book is a warrior married to his wife and PTSD. Curtis understood far too many veterans were coming home to nothing and are being forgotten. His hope is to help as many of his fellow veterans during their struggle to find meaning and purpose in the real world as they adjust to a normal life. Don't give up. Help is out there. Now, do you think the stereotype of, oh, don't come down to Henry County no more, you know what I'm saying, versus what we've seen in flux of people, how do you think, do you think that stereotype hurt us or are, are we, are, have we moved forward or backwards? Because, yes, people were saying don't come to Henry County, but now a lot of people moving here and crime and drama has increased. Mm -hmm. Where do you see Henry County going in the future when it comes to, I guess, making sure we keep crime at a low level? Well, I think that goes with um, policing. You know, we have to have good policing in order to enforce the crimes. Of course, we have to have fair and impartial judges um, to make sure that uh, uh, to keep the police accountable. Um, as we've seen in the, in, in the past, that there are situations where, you know, the police are violating the laws. And, and so, you know, the, that's where the judges and, and also the prosecutors come in. They have to make sure and hold the police accountable for things that, you know, if they have violated um, the law. But in regards to Henry County, of course, Henry County has changed since I came. Um, back in 2004, 2005, it, to me, it's more diverse. Um, you know, I've seen uh, a big diversity um, change or a shift um, from when I came. Uh, um, you know, my kids started school, uh, were in school in 2004 and 2005, and I've seen just the difference in, in the um, yearbooks uh, of how diverse the, the county has, as well as with our jury pool. Um, when I started as a prosecutor in 2013, you know, we had a majority Caucasian jury pool, but now it is, is very mixed, not only mixed with African-Americans, but you are seeing Asians and, of course, Hispanics um, here in Henry County as well. What does diversity mean for you in the community? 
Um, it, it means a lot to me. That is one of the main reasons why I chose Henry County and chose Atlanta um, or the suburban uh, Atlanta area as a place to raise my children. Um, coming from Kentucky, a place that was, um, I think my high schooling had 8% African American. Uh, and, and so diversity means everything to me. That means that no matter what you look like uh, or where you come from, you have a chance to be um, and achieve anything through diversity. And I believe that um, just me sitting here on the bench is just an, is an example of that. Um, I was the first African-American male um, appointed as a state court judge here in Henry County. Wow, I did not know that, I did not know that. Um, <clears throat> As, as, as the first African-American state court judge here in Henry County. Male, male. Male, mm. male. Yes. And I've had the honor of interviewing the first African-American female right. Superior Court judge. It's just been an honor working with you guys and uh, really digging deep in what's going on and what's happening here in Henry County. Um, how does that make you feel? First African-American mm. male. When, when we were living in this county, I remember you guys had to come through here. You didn't see any African-American male. Mm. Well, honored, but also thinking about, um, you know, I, I, I was appointed in 2021 and, uh, you know, it took until 2021 for the first black male to be appointed as a full time judge. So uh, I'm glad that things are changing here in Henry County. But of course, honored um, to to say that I am the first um, black male full time judge here in the county. Awesome. Awesome. Now you have a you have a particular focus when it comes to veterans. Absolutely. Veterans, your heart is for serving veterans. Um, you have an event coming up where you'll be speaking to veterans uh, during the month of November. Mm. You'll be moving throughout the county working with veterans in the community. Tell us what we should look for as far as you working with veterans and how you're bridging that gap between the vet with the veterans. Okay, well, one is just um, working with our Veterans Treatment Court as well as um, I also help out with um, our American Legion Post 516, um, who are veterans here in the McDonough Henry County. Um, the event um, that you're talking about is our Veterans Day event that's going to be on Veterans Day, November 11th of 2023. That's a Saturday. And so every year here in Henry County um, that I know of, we've had an event to honor our veterans. Um, where there's a guest or a keynote speaker, and this year I'm fortunate enough to be our keynote speaker. And I'm going to speak about um, thanking you for your service. That is the, um, my message that's, that I'm going to talk about. Thank you for your service. It, give us a little bit about what, what a lot of people would take for granted mm -hmm. what our veterans have to do to protect this country. Absolutely. Why would you say thank you? In just a short answer. Mm -hmm. Well, um, in my speech, I talk about what service really means, okay? And, and I break it down. I say service is um, talking about selflessness and sacrifice, um, talking about the employment that you, a person chooses, um, because it's not just any old employment. When you are um, serving the country, you know, you start off your job, you, you don't go to a conference room or, um, you know, um, where you killed, uh, well not killed, but um, where you receive PowerPoint presentation after PowerPoint presentation, you've got to go to basic training where you learn a skill. Um, I talk about uh, always being ready. That's a thing for that uh, military members have to um, do. Talk about valor, um, the unconquerable soul, competence, and um, just also saying that the service that a person um, has done in the military is everlasting. And it's everlasting. I say that because the gratitude is everlasting. 
because just um, things like the post 9-11 GI Bill, uh, the Montgomery GI Bill, our veterans, uh, our VA loans uh, for uh, housing, uh, things of that nature. It's just the everlasting gratitude that you receive as being a veteran. And so that's some of the things that I'm going to be talking about. You know, I grew up in a culture where basketball and football is looked at as the goldmine of of making it in America for youth that look like you and I. Absolutely. Okay. Um, what would you say to that young person that's 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 looking for that direction? Who, you know, doesn't know that is somebody that looks like him who can be a judge, mm -hmm. who can be a prosecutor who can go and serve their country, who can have a family. What, what, what do you say to that young boy in, in the middle school, in the high school that's looking for that direction? What do you say to them in following mm -hmm. their dreams? Well, I, I say always, um, always well, just keep grinding. Uh, I think just keep grinding. And, and you know, always work hard. No, no matter where you are, what you're doing, just always strive to, to be the best. And sometimes that doesn't mean that you always got to make an A or, or even a B, you know, but always strive to do your best and, and um, you know, abide by the law, uh, follow the policies and procedures. Um, but the main thing is always keep striving to do your best. Um, you know, if you are in one particular area, you know, strive to be the president or, or the head of that, that, that uh, organization or that group. And, um, you know, that's one thing that I could just say. And in regards to the sports analogy, you know, every, I believe every little boy or girl, you know, uh, well, I guess every little boy grows up thinking that I want to be the next LeBron. You know, I want to be the next uh, Pat Mahomes or whatever, or, or Michael Vick or Lamar Jackson. You know, I went to Louisville, so, you know, I'm a big <laughs> Lamar Jackson fan. But, but you, you know, there's a, a guy told me one time there's like, a, you know, a, a, a triangle. Um, or, or a, a pyramid. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of people, of course, that start off their career playing sports, playing football, playing basketball. But as you continue to grow, that number of people that are playing those sports continues to shrink. And so it's only the best and the top of the, you know, the best people are the ones that make it to the NBA, make it to the NFL. So you have to have another goal or, or um, strategy in mind of what you want to do in life. Of course, you know, always strive. If you want to be an NBA player, you know, of course, put in that work to be an NBA player. But if that doesn't happen, if you're like me, if you're five foot nothing, you know, then, then you need to think of some type of alternative career. And, and so... Um, you know, when I was young, if someone would have told me that I was going to be a lawyer and a judge, you know, I would have said, you're lying. Um, but, um, you know, I just kept striving, kept trying to do the best um, that I could do, treated people with, do, um, with dignity and respect. And, you know, I just became blessed to have this position. Awesome, awesome. Now, tell us, last but not least, mm -hmm. tell us about your staff. What is day-to-day -day operations in the life of a judge? Sure. Like, you know, because... I don't think we get to see that, you know, mm. I think we see you guys on the bench when we come to court and it's like, we're talking to someone and we're pleading ourselves, please have mercy on me. Right. What is day-to-day -day life like for a judge balancing the things that you have to balance? Okay, sure. Well, in regards, first of all, my staff, I have a staff of three other individuals. I have my 
judicial assistant who basically takes care of, I call her my boss lady, okay? Because she takes care of everything that I need. Um, she keeps my schedule together. She answers my phone. Um, she uh, sometimes gives me, um, tells me what's going on in the courtroom or things that are going on outside that I may um, have forgotten or just, just need some assistance. I also have my staff attorney. My staff attorney, um, I call her my VP because those are her initials. And so uh, she provides the, um, um, the legal research for me. Um, she runs my civil calendar. And then I also have my court reporter who, of course, is in the court with me uh, while we have court. Um, in regards to the day-to-day -day operations, you know, I come to work and court starts at 9 o'clock. Um, so I immediately take the bench. And so here in state court, we have, um, we have misdemeanors. We have uh, a civil calendar uh, where those are lawsuits, uh, 15,000 or more. Uh, we have a probation revocation calendar. And we have, um, we have our traffic calendar as well. And then um, about twice a month, I do our domestic violence calendar. And also twice a month, I do our uh, veterans treatment court. So I stay very busy. Um, but, um, of course, when I'm not on the bench, I'm in the back in the chambers, I'm doing research, I'm signing orders, um, I am looking over uh, things that have um, uh, where arguments and motions uh, from the attorneys and doing research with my staff attorney. And uh, to be quite honest, I, I'm a very laid back person. So, you know, sometimes we we're back there and we, we try to have some fun because, you know, it, you can't have all work in no place. So I try to make sure um, that it's also a very um, relaxed environment in the back. I love to play golf. I'm a big golfer. I'm a big, uh, like I said, Louisville uh, Cardinal basketball fan. So I watch sports. I love um, basketball. Uh, right now, fantasy football has just started. So playing fantasy football. And of course, so my family, which, you know, I digress and not uh, have spoken a lot about my family, but I've been married. Um, at the end of the month will be 27 years and I have two daughters. Um, they're both adult, adults and so of course spending time with my family is always um, wonderful as well. We just, we just completed our last summer publication, um, Understanding the Business of Marriage. Mm -hmm. You just said 27 years. Absolutely. What's the secret? Um, <laughs> the secret? <laughs> um, well, I, I would say this. Um, uh, always be friends remember that you married that person for a reason and, and so i married my um my best friend and so we were friends before we got married and so um just to always uh, remember that that person is in fact your friend